0: Cheers to another episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. I'm your guide, AJ, on this journey of stories showcasing the people behind the wonderful world of wine, where we dive into conversations ranging from war, viticulture, to favorite music, superpowers,
1: and more. Please enjoy this episode of the Wine Notes Podcast.
0: Joe, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. It's
1: my pleasure, AJ. I've been uh, watching your work and uh, was able to accommodate you once here some months ago, and I've uh, been looking forward to this.
0: Yes. No, i have very much been looking forward to it as well. Uh, holy cow! You can't even see out your window.
1: I mean, of the fog, we are at 600 feet in the fog layer right now. But it's a beautiful sunny day out there. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> I was sure. at the winery earlier this morning. It was sunny there. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I'm sure it'll burn off here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, can I start it off Start us off with a little bit of bl- of a blind wine, please. Okay. Yeah.
1: So well, looking forward to maybe maybe uh, looking like a fool here.
0: Well, you know. As I tell everybody, um, okay. whatever you want to say, it's totally up to you. If you just want to say it's yummy or, ooh, I'm not sure about this, it's totally up to you. Yeah. Okay. And um,
1: so you're going to give me some parameters or is this uh, North America or well, so bridal or? Well, just... so the, the,
0: the, the parameters is I always try to find something that has some sort of connection to you. Okay. Uh, Uh-oh. I well yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, what what in the world do I bring Joe Dobbs as a blind wine? Because this is a beautiful wine, AJ. And see, that's all that matters. That is all that matters. Um, it's it is always fun to have just a little something, uh, just to kind of kick things off. And then toward the end I'll I'll reveal what it is. And thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you.
1: Keeping me honest, huh? Well, I love the aromas. It's um red fruit. And- smoky, uh, gunpowder, cherries, raspberries.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, I did have some difficulty of what do you, I mean, you have so many connections in the wine industry. How do I find something that has a connection to you? So hopefully, you know, that this will kind of tie into what we want to talk about today and have a connection to you. Yeah.
1: Well, my guess is it's has been an Gosh. So all the vintages are going through my head. This is like studying here taking the W7 attached But a little bit, but yeah, you know, you don't, you I've don't, never done, huh? You don't have, to, and you don't need to
0: dive in that deep. That's it's totally fine.
1: It reminds me of the 2015 vintage, um, which I loved. Um, Red fruited, well balanced wines, gorgeous wines. Um, I haven't had, I've got a bunch in the cellar downstairs. I haven't had any in a while, so we're due, but it reminds me of that vintage, but you know, it could be, could be a warmer vintage as well. It's all about, you know, you got the land in the hand, so the winemaker can definitely steer. Something to more red-fruited and a little more lighter and elegant by when it's picked. Right. Right. mean, you pick a 22 breaks versus 24 and a half or something. So and then fermentation process, et cetera. Yeah. It's about, that's fine. And that's fine. Yeah. I'm going about as far <laughs> out on the board as I think I can. I don't know.
0: Yeah. No. And that's, um, that's fine. So, you know, let's, let's go back many, many, many years for you. Okay. Um, You're, you know, 13 or 14 years, years old. Yeah. Uh, your dad asked you if you wanted to do something with the two-acre parcel that was in front of your house.
1: Yeah, I was twelve.
0: Okay, you were twelve, was... and you decided to uh, plant table grapes, and you ended up Marionberries. Marionberries. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yep. And you sold them to Smuckers. I did. My, uh, you know, it just to hear that story, I just want to know so much more. What? Um... So, when you were getting ready to plant the Marionberries, did you know you were going to sell to sell them to?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. So
1: we moved to Oregon in 71. So I was 11 years old at the time. So I just revealed my age. Um from Colorado. My dad was a physician there uh, just outside of Denver and urban sprawl was displaced where he used to go dove hunting. He says, the hell with this, we're out of here. Let's go west. <laughs> right. We, let's go yeah, west, young men. And um, we ended up buying uh, what I call a gentleman's farm. It was 60 acres. Um, I grew up with, uh, you know, eight acre lake. i go you know, duck hunting in the morning, bass fishing at night, uh, motorcycles, horses, hunting, gigging frogs, you name it, we <laughs> did it. Right. It was an amazing upbringing. And I, I also, my dad instilled a work ethic in me that uh, I really appreciate. And, uh, you know, there was picking blueberries, gardening, uh, building barns, um, cutting down trees, planting a vineyard in later years, so 84, and that's another era. Um My parents used to own a winery, and um, there was two acres in front of the house that was not really good for grapes or much else. And he says, "Hey, you want to do something with that?" Planting Marion berries. Wow, yeah, and sold them to Smuckers. My dog Schultz and I would deliver them. German short hair. Everybody at Smuckers (laughs) loved He enjoyed eating Marion berries as well. He'd sit in the car, and I'd just throw them to him, and he'd catch them in his mouth. But yeah, that's that's how I grew up. So uh, I think I made money a couple of years, um, borrowed a neighbor's tractor and the transmission burned up. And so that cost me a lot of money. Oh yeah. Probably not sure I really needed to pay for his used tractor, new transmission, but nonetheless I did it. Um, yeah. So did that for, I don't know, four or five, six years maybe. And then got to high school and athletics and life happened.
0: Wow. So much that that's, you know, I heard that I just, I just needed to know more because like, holy cow, selling to smuckers before you're. You know, while you're in high school is just, that is a very a
1: abnormal, maybe I've, um, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've, it might frustrate those that work with me or around me to say, you yeah, have a lot of great ideas, but, um, you have no, idea you underestimate how much it's going to take to execute on those ideas. Right. Right. So, but I mean, any entrepreneur I think is like that, they, they can create maybe a little bit of chaos around them. I, I don't, I'm not sure I create chaos. I'm going mean, to have great people that always threw a lot of things at the wall. Right. You know, with people that I worked with and, uh, sometimes it worked out really well, you know.
0: Yeah. No, I, yeah. I think it did work out very, very well.
1: Um, Find it, eat, and go for it.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We have some more questions, but shall we start
1: diving into a little bit of wine? Yes. Yes. So what we have here are a few uh, Pinot Noirs, <laughs> Chardonnay. Okay. These are all from the 2020 vintage. Um, I heard there were forest fires in 2020.
0: I, I heard the same. Yeah.
1: And uh, we're here at, you know, 600 feet on the west slope, of the UL Amity Hills. There was plenty of smoke here. You know, the fires, for the most part, were up to San a. M, you know, Detroit Lake, et cetera, up there. Um, right. Above Silverton, and then Newburgh. The Newburgh fire at the top of the mountain there. Yeah. What do they call that? Um, Rule. It? Well, no, you have, uh, there's like, Bulti, that yeah, and yeah. I don't remember the. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know my sister and her husband uh, had to evacuate their house. They spent about a week here just because fire was getting pretty close to them. But then the left, I mean, we had one vineyard, Arlen vineyard, and we'll taste that, from 2020. Um, there was the closest, to, I mean, it was five miles away from the fire. Right. And everything else was quite a ways, but we were still affecting the smoke. Right. So, yeah, I'll just jump in here. Um The 2020 vintage, you know, we started making wine here at this estate. It's uh, in 20 glasses. Here's the 115.
0: Okay. Thank you.
1: Uh, from the estate, so Orchard House Estate is the estate vineyard, and then we buy grapes. Uh, so we have clone one one five and one one four here, and um, so here's the one one four. Okay, and then we buy grapes from vineyards I've worked with over the years, and they're labeled under the moniker Old Friends. Mm-hmm. And um, so those are limited quantity wines that I've worked with. They're they're they, you know they're the superstars of the NBA, right? Anybody who's in the NBA is a great player, but then you've got, um, you know, the LeBron J, Michael George, the world, Quail So this is Quail So this is an old friend. So I did two years off after my last vintage at Dobbs Family Estate, which I still own half of, and took two years off, bought our dream property here and said, okay, well, what do I want to do here? And uh, it was really nice to it, just take two vintages off and really think about how I'm going to structure this brand. Right. And, well, what about the old friends? So, here we go. So, if somebody joins the Full Circle Society, they can then purchase these limited quantities of these old friend bottlings. Very nice. more. So, in 2020, you know, we have about a 12-acre vineyard here. And this for the sharpness. We have a 12-acre vineyard here, and you know, I had a lot of money invested in organically farming this. And the Labor Day fires popped up, and it's like, well, I didn't even for a second AJ, think about not making wine. It just didn't make any sense to me. I had probably $70,000 invested in farming the vineyard. What am I going to do? Make rosé? Um, what, the birds eat it? No, I just kind of rolled up my sleeves and went after it. Right. And then the same with our growers as well. You know, what am I going to do? Leave them hanging. I, some, some wineries chose not to make wine for a lot of different reasons. Maybe high in inventory um, and or, of course, from smoke and being concerned about making wines that are tainted, et cetera. And I, I've been making wine a long time. A long long time. I've been making wine in Oregon uh, as a head winemaker since 89. My first vintage in Oregon was uh, 86 and 87 in Elk Cool, and I was in Burgundy in 88 and started in the business in 1985 in Germany. Um, Then when I started, you know, I was a wine Valley Vineyards for seven years and started Dobbs Family Estate at Wine by Joe in 2002. Mm -hmm. So where am I going with this? When you make value-priced wines, you put the oak into the wine instead of the wine into the oak. So for Wine by Joe or... you know, other value price wines out there, people know the labels. I think it's more difficult to make a value price bottle of wine that's of really high quality and still make money than it is to make a $90 Pinot Noir. And why do I say that? It's because you have to shape costs where you can. Exactly. You're farming at higher tonnages. You might be farming in Southern Oregon where they can get five, six tons the acre or higher of really high quality Pinot Noir. And more getting to my point is your machine picket, right? You can't afford to pick those grapes by hand. No, no. Now the picker goes over the row with beater bars and hits the grape vines and guess what comes off? Berries of fruit. Also the, the rachis, leaf, um, mog, material other than grape is a common term in the industry, and anybody in the industry will know that. Mog doesn't taste very good in wine. If you shoot on a green leaf or a, a leaf petiole, a bird nest, or whatever else might be in there. Um, no matter what, with machine pricked fruit, you're going to be getting some of that in there. And I learned years ago, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna reveal what I did. Um, I think we had the feedback from the press and our customers has been overwhelmingly great. And um, you know, I've been party to hearing about one industry, uh, you know, owner talking to another uh, winemaker about. You know, who did a good job in 2020, and lo and behold, our name came up. So I'm I'm flattered. I worked my ass off at it, and I called on some of my some of my history. So getting to the point, I learned years ago that if you use what's called blonde chips, so if you got an oak stave that's 40 inches long, and they cut it at 36 inches to make a high end French oak arrow, what do you do with that four inch stave? Well, they chip it up. They can. Toast it and or just do what we call blonde chips. So, you know, fingernail-sized chips that are not toasted. And there's something magical about those that absorbs off characters during the fermentation. So actively in the fermentation. So years ago, I went, I had a 10-ton tank, several of them, at Wine by Joe and Dundee. And I added, you know, chips, no chips, different quantities per ton of chips. And fermented it live and, you know, saw what the results were. Well, lo and behold, those oak chips, those blonde, untoasted chips in the fermenter during the heat of fermentation—you know, in the 80s, maybe a little—do right. something magical, and it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's like a—it's like an eraser. It's—it's it's like a sponge. It absorbs off characters. So, mog, um, sunburned berries, it's magical. I mean, it, it does a great job. Wow. You know, in hot vintages, you have some sunburned berries. You could never sort all those out. No right? And if you're machine picking, you're not sorting any of those out. Those are in the fermenter. And so, you know, I did some reading and, you know, there's all kinds of things, you do know, uh, carbon and enzymes and this and that, you know, pixie dust. And so I had the benefit of Arlen Vineyard, which is clone 4407 up by in uh, jail, Mount Maybe right on Calkins Land, right across from Adelsheim, owned by Janice Pate, great woman. And I first worked with that vineyard in 2016. That was my last vintage at uh, Dom's. Um, We always went in the high end one. I took the two years off, as I said, told Janice, hey, I want to work with your fruit. So in 19, you know, we had great success with good, good reviews and once essentially sold out. In 2020, then we had these fires and the benefit. How often do you have a crystal ball? Very
0: often. No, no, not at all.
1: If I had a crystal ball, we'd be doing this on my yacht. So (laughs) I'd be right there. Whatever. (laughs) No, we'd be on the jet. Uh, But anyway. Um, I got up at four, four thirty in the morning. I had a micro winery set up in my garage, and I'd go up to Janice's Vineyard Arlen and pick those grapes, bring them down. Cause that vineyard, it's on um, sedimentary soil, riparia glioral rootstock, which is devigorating and promotes ripeness so you ripen sooner and clone 4407. So it's like the perfect storm. Right, right. To have two, two and a half weeks advance ripeness of everything else, my estate and the other vineyards that we're buying from, even Quailhurst and Shalo Mountain, and precipitously permit um, numerous experiments with Arlen to see what worked. And, you know, I tried enzymes, I did this, I did that, um, gelatin, and, you know, all kinds of things. And lo and behold, the oak chips, well, one, hands down. So I said, okay. That's what we're going to do, and I did it. And um, you know, I'm I'm really proud of these wines. The reviews. I think we got 190. We made six different Pinot Noirs, two from the estate. Um, the Eola Bench right here. The Black Label is actually is a representation of our estate vineyard here. That's 450 to 650 feet west facing, and. Uh, C- see which is just down the hill from it's one of my Ken Wright and I worked on the 89 vintage together at Eola Hills Wine Cellars. And he introduced me in that vineyard. It's, it's not by chance that he owns mm-hmm. Carter, which is literally across the fence because the introduction to uh, Seminat at the time, it was called Tupper. So I'm working with three different, uh, third owner there from that vineyard. I digress. It's an amazing vineyard. So Eola Bench is a combination of our estate and Seminat. But um, yeah, we We've had two set of reviews right now, Wine Enthusiast and International Wine Report, and the lowest score was 92 points. Yeah,
0: and I can understand Mostly
1: 93s, a couple 94s, and a couple 95s. That's great. I guess, okay, I mean, am I hanging my hat on the press? No, but third-party endorsements, especially when you've got a vintage like 2020, where it's like people, oh, 2020, had don't want to taste Right, 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 right. And I've done tastings, and oh, people are oh, they're twenty twenty. So instantly they go, "Where's the smoke?" Right. Well, there ain't no smoke in these wines. Well, and <laughs> it, well,
0: and yeah, and uh, uh, I, I agree. I mean, I here I am. I, I, I took a little sip, and on the nose, I get I get nothing. They're fruity wines. Yeah, yeah. And, and and when I say I get nothing, I get no. I get no smoke. Yeah. I get no smoke. No,
1: no creosote, no charcoal, no ash, no uh, kind of burnt Band-Aid. Um, the the highest score is Arlen, which was five miles from the fire. Coincidentally. Right? Um, again, I mean, I don't hang my hands. Oh, the press says this or that. But I mean, if you can stand there all day and tell people what you did. You know, I like, can't. Yeah, right? right. right? Yes. Yeah. So no, you can't. When can. the press comes in, you just go, nope, here it is.
0: Try it and um,
1: boom. Yeah. And, you know, in, uh, in 2020, a winery's... Yeah, I'm not. I mean, it is what it is. They they chose to either not to make wine, um, make out of peanut alarm, maybe do kind of a quick release, um, maybe more kitschy brand that, um, than something they had done before. And protect the reputation of the the brand that they built. I get it. I totally get it. Um, for me, it wasn't an option. I just I said, well, I got to I got to do this. There was. I'm going to be maybe a little apolitical or not politically correct. I mean, at the same time the combat was made, I didn't think it was very politically correct. There's an Oregon winemaker that said, yeah, there were two in an interview, um, you know, national press, two wineries in 2020. Those that made wine and those that wish they didn't make wine. Mm. I'm like, okay, well, I've tasted other Oregon 2020 Pinot Noirs, not a ton of them, and they were pretty damn good. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. so I don't know. It is what it is.
0: It is. We it did is.
1: what we did, and here it is.
0: It's, well, you know, I, I can't wait to start diving into yeah. more of them as we, as we go along here. But that that first one, that is pretty darn
1: spectacular. And I thank it. I'm still mystery wine here. No. That's uh, then we made the Chardonnay as well from the estate, Orchard House estate. So everything we're doing here is single, either single, either single clones from the estate here. Right. I one one four and one yeah. one five or you know, one or multiple clones seal of the vineyards. So the only blend that we do is the uh, the black label. The black label. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Well
0: okay. Uh, um moving on to another question here. Um so y- you know, you were pursuing going to to medical school and you were sick and tired of yeah. going to school. And over uh Christmas break, you know, you you told your dad that, you know, you wanted to pursue wine. Um And what kind of got you into that was a news clip for Elks Cove.
1: Yes. Yeah. What? You've done your research. (laughs) I I try. I try. (laughs) That was in the early 80s. I think it was around 82.
0: You know, dropping a bomb like that, you know, to your dad during Christmas break, I'm sure it didn't go all that well. You know, he
1: was like, well, he didn't never pressure me to pursue medical school. I actually started out, surprise, in business. You know, general business. I mean, as a freshman, you just take courses right, that you have just, to take when you're in college. Right. And one of them was, you know, macrobiology. And for the first time, I had really been challenged, um, um, you know, in the, in the sciences. And I had some amazing teachers Southern Oregon University, small university, liberal arts college. Um, and it attracted some of the best professors that money could buy. And it wasn't even about money, it was about lifestyle. Right. Right. I mean, Harvard, Stanford. Berkeley. I mean, I had amazing professors that really cared about what they did because they loved living in action. I, I, I can imagine. And it uh, kind of lit my fire. It's like, I think the, the human body is, uh, is magical. I'm <laughs> still trying to figure mine out. It's <laughs> like, yes, every day, another ache or pain or this or that, or the mystery of all of a sudden, I can't bend this thumb, you know, and now it's getting better and nobody can figure out, you know, that maybe it's a bone spur in my neck. I don't know. But you know what do you do it's it's um, magical, it's a mystery. I'm still really interested and intrigued by medicine and the sciences, right. but I went into a different part of the sciences. Um, this wine for me is it's my creative outlet. I love it. I mean, right. I use the word passion. it's overused, but it's ethereum is you know after thirty four vintages and then taking a couple off, et cetera, and been making wine for a long time um I'm having the time of my life. This this is truly my passion and I'll say my ego project, right? I mean, after having made wine for so many years and taking a couple of years off, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to do this again. Eterium, by the way, is a Latin word that means again, afresh, once more. So it's a little circle around the IT there. I went full circle with this property that we used to make um, the wine for the previous owners and then we leased it at Dobbs for a number of years and it got sold. And then five years later, we bought our dream estate. I'm jumping all over here. But um, when I first started Wine by Joe and Dobbs, I was ignorant. Yes, too. You know, I just put my head down, went really hard, uh, worked my ass off, and surround myself with some really great people.
0: Right. That's yeah. what That's what you got to do.
1: Gave them a leash, you know, trust but confirm. Right, right. And uh, we grew that company quickly. And in years, it was time to take a break, do a reset figure out what I want to do when I grew up and this is it. And this is truly my passion project. I talked about ego. It's like, you know, ego is not necessarily a bad thing. Everyone's got an ego, a healthy ego. If you have an oversized ego, that, I don't think that's such a great thing. I think most people would probably agree with me on that, but where I'm coming from as far as AJ ego project is okay. I've been making wine a long time. I've had some successes, um, some accolades, but this was my, this is my final act. Right? Well, it's like, you know, Joe Dobbs 3.0 and I wanted to make a splash.
0: Well, yeah. And, you if, know, I, and me, if I remember correctly, you you had said, I think last year, that you still hadn't made your best wine yet.
1: Yes. My wife hates it when I say it, but Patricia, but now she gets it. Um, and over the, all the years, you know, I was a hired gun for 17 years working for other wineries and ran Dobbs and Wine by Joe for 17 years. and. We grew quickly. I had never done indigenous yeasts on reds or whites. Now that's all I do. I had never farmed our estate organically. Um, I had never made sparkling method champagne, which we're doing now. Rosé and uh, a pinot and Chardonnay from uh, started in 19. So that'll be released in February. We're selling futures on that to our Full Circle Society club members. They're loving it. Um, Sparkling. um, And a few other things I had never done in the vineyard. and. Either and in the winery. And so now I'm doing, and I, I have the time to really think and put the needle in the bullseye, at least in my opinion, as as much as possible. The wines are different than what I've been making. Our customers are loving it. The company's growing quickly. Yeah. We're small. Well, but you know, going to stay small, I don't want to have to get on an airplane again. <laughs> Go sell my wine. I don't blame you. Although we knew have a new distributor in the British Virgin Islands and uh, I will be getting on an airplane to go there.
0: That sounds like an awful trip. I, I okay, sign me up. <laughs> yes, yes. So yes, I mean I was I think it was around this time last year when I when I came out to, and first tasted your wine. Yeah. Uh your Save Blanc last year was absolutely stellar. Um, you know, and even the the twenty nineteen Arlen that I tasted me you with know, that was another one that stood out to me. Mm. So I'm, I'm very curious to keep diving forward here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So on your far left is the 115 for the estate, and then the 114, which is in your glass, right? Okay. And then after that, we go Quailhurst, Arlen. UAS. Okay. And, and then, then we finish up with the vintage. You know, the, the beauty of having a couple of vintages off, 17 and 18 um, in... 18, when we bought this place in September, it was just a little over five years ago, the grapes came in and got picked and went to A to Z. They were under lease, although we had owned the property. it was pretty cool. It was like, all right, I don't, you know, I've been working my butt off for a lot of, you know, numerous vintages in a row. And to have that break was really refreshing. And then I got to thinking about, okay, what's this brand plan going to look like? And, you know, in the industry, we talk about the land and the hand, the, the land is the same, the hand is the variable. So, By, you know, the hand, I mean, you know, the winemaker. So you could, cutting into the chase, 114 and 115 are picked on the same day, same yeast, same cellar, same barrel regime. No filtration, no finding bottled on the same day. So what's it all boil down to? It's genetic material, right? Of course. The clones. And um, people geek out over it. Every year they're the same. The 114 is a little more blue-fruited and softer, a little higher um, pH, a little lower acid at picking time. The 115 is a little more red fruited. It's split, you know, between the customers. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, everybody has a different uh, yeah. opinion and exactly. different um different taste and what they like. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, for me I do like the first one a little bit better because I I am a darker fruit person. Yeah. But I love the vibrancy and um, you know, how this, you know, how the second one is showing off. It's it's really good.
1: Great. So over the years, uh, you know, when I was uh, Running the Daily Show at, at Dobbs Family Estate in our tasting room, I thought about, and I talked to my staff. So, well, we need to do some single bottlings, and uh, for whatever reasons, I always got shot down. and I was like, okay, well, we got enough to sell them, so I wasn't going to force it on the staff to do something that they weren't really behind. But getting small again, I mean, I'm doing like one and a half percent of what I used to make on an annual basis, right, for both brands, mm-hmm. and. Just do what I want. Yeah. And that's, that's what you should do. I did that back right. then. But, but I mean, as now it's like, I'm the guy selling. It. I mean, our business plan is direct to consumer and wholesale direct right. where we can do it. My that's wife it. and I have got one full-time employee that his first, second, and third priorities are the vineyard. He does a great job, Ryan right. DeVore. Um, and he's still learning on the job, but doing a great job. Anxious to please. And his fruit was immaculate this year.
0: Yeah. No, I. I'm, I'm very pleased. Um, going, I'm going to go back to 1984 a little bit. In Oregon, held the first international cool climate symposium. Yeah, and your dad just struck up a conversation with some random guy in line who was uh, a yeast genesis or
1: a yeast. Yeah, Darmstadt University in West Germany at the time,
0: and that conversation totally changed the trajectory of, you know, of, of your career because he helped you yes. get over to Germany.
1: Yeah. I was, uh, at the time, looking to do a vintage in Europe. Um, in college, I, was, I had a good friend. She had done uh, a year abroad in Bordeaux, um, not in the wine business, but just a set, you know, through an exchange at Southern Oregon University. She was just telling me about how cool it was and needed to do that. And I remember, too, uh, when I was in high school, there were a couple big college kids that hit a party talking about their bike trip across Europe. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. Well, I did. I did a thousand mile trip over 30 days. I mean, I could have done it in fewer days, but visited friends along the way and made new friends and hung out. It was amazing. Fresh the um, French and Swiss Alps and uh, hung out in Corsica for a couple of weeks on the beach and rest of my time. I can imagine. How did I get, What were we talking about? I, uh... (laughs) well, yeah, just that, that conversation (laughs) Got you
0: over into yeah, Germany. You know,
1: the, the apprenticeship. So Herr Müller, uh, the yeast geneticist, sent me up with Weingut der Tesch in Long and Lonesome, West Germany. And uh, so this was in 1985, I did the vintage. And coincidentally enough, Russ Rainey, who was a, Good friend of mine, Ebership, the star of Eversham Wood recently, you know, passed away. And uh, he did an apprenticeship at the same winery in seventy-one. Oh wow. I had heard about an American that had done a, a stop apprenticeship there. And lo and behold, at the first uh industry meeting I came to when I came back to Germany, they came back to Oregon in eighty six, I met Russ Randy. Wow. And I didn't they didn't have a name of the guy. And we became past friends and learned that we worked at the same winery.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But Herr Mueller sent me up, Um, so I studied the Berlitz tapes, you know, the Berlitz tapes and the little, uh, sticker like cool shonk and this, you know, stuck them on things. So I knew the, how to pronounce <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, um, I guess I have a knack for languages or I used to, I don't so much anymore because I don't, I don't need another job. But, um, I picked up German quickly. I could uh, read it. I could write it. I could wow. speak it fairly fluently. Uh, the first couple of days, um, Herr Dees, Mr. Dees, the winemaker, who was a graduate of uh, Geisenheim University. So that's kind of like the UC Davis of Germany. Okay. Uh He spoke English to me fluently, and then he quit. And then everybody in the cellar didn't know how to speak English, so it was sink or swim.
0: Oh, man. Yeah.
1: Oof. So I swam. And I think he swam <laughs> wonderfully.
0: I mean, here we are today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: then I came back to Oregon in 86, and Pat and Joe Campbell gave me a job as cellar grind. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's quite amazing. Yeah, That's fun. Yeah. So, okay. So this, this next one, Yep. did you say this is the Arlen? The,
1: uh, that is Quailhurst. Oh, Fellhurst. Okay. Yeah. So Quailhurst and Arlen are both from the sub ABA and the story mm-hmm. with Quailhurst, all the old friends have a story. I think the interesting story is, uh, Marvin and Deborah Hausman owned the vineyard, uh, in the early 2000s. I don't remember when they bought it, but in 2000 and... Two, 2003, I met Marvin and his wine was being made in another winery. I helped him finish that wine. And then 2003 started making Quailhurst estate for Quailhurst for Marvin and Deborah, and Quailhurst estate for Dobbs family estate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was our, one of our most expensive wines, single vineyard and, uh, been working with the vineyard ever since now, this, uh, the Lou family, second set of owners and, um, it is. Right smack in the middle of the bullseye every year, as far as you know, it's juicy, great structure, uh, great fruit, right? Um, very, very good, very cool, love it. It's a, a real exciting uh, 667 clone, and we're going uh, directly to Vadensville 100% for 2021. Wow, the Vadensville is just luscious, I love
0: that. I, yeah, no, I it is very much a, a clone that I enjoy.
1: Sterling Fox, a great guy, earns uh, earns owns uh, Sterling Grape he and I worked together at Willamette Valley Vineyards years ago. He was a vineyard manager. We had a great time together, and he took on the task of expanding the Quailhurst Estate after the Hausman family sold it to the Lou family. And I was in on the you know we were at the time I was a Dobbs, and so we were buying that fruit, and um, I advised on what I would like to see planted and. Badensville was one of right. those clones, 4407, et cetera. So, uh, now I'm making wine exclusively from the Badensville clone. Nice. It is sumptuous. Love it. Just love that. clone. Yeah. And this vineyard is sumptuous as well. It just, it's right in the middle of the bullseye. It's kind of like gives you everything that I would yeah. want in a Pinot Noir. Yeah. And, and
0: just, just looking at the color in the glass for this one, it is, it is a darker color and I, I, I love. Yeah. I, I love the the darker yeah. Pinots.
1: Well, Quailhurst and Arlen do that year in and year out. You know, they talk about uh more black fruited, um more structural, more tannin Yolamity Hills, I think from the, the influence of the Coast Range or the uh the Corridor and the winds and all that. But the Chehalom Mountain wines, at least the ones that I'm sourcing, Arlen and Quailhurst make just these uh plump, delicious, very flavorful plump, um, flavorful wines darker and fruit right yeah and um arland is sedimentary soil so you would expect to see that my opinion from sedimentary soil but quailhurst is not it's jord it's higher up on the hill interesting. right end. interesting yeah but, but uh anyway i'll make them all the same, wow. same way. Um, so you had a
0: 30-year celebration at uh irving street kitchen you know downtown and uh I can never pronounce Jem's last name, the CEO at Willamette Valley Vineyard. Jim. For no. Yeah. Thank you. Good friend. Uh he had the quote of, you know, I really wish I could have kept Joe around, but I just couldn't make enough wine. Wait, I mean my biggest regret is not being able to grow Willamette Valley Vineyards fast enough to keep Joe. I hold out hope that one day we'll make wine together again.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, that was really kind of him. So.
0: It was very kind. Yeah. So my, my question is, are you going to do any sort of collaboration with, with Jim and Tree? You know, we've,
1: we've, uh, we've discussed that. Okay. Yeah. Since I started this project, he's been here a couple times. Um, he's a very busy guy. They're expanding that company greatly. You know, restaurants, tasting rooms. Yeah. Uh, never say never. Well, yeah, I have yeah. worked with them a bit, um, uh, doing some consulting on some wine. Okay. Uh, one couple of vintages ago. And that was fun. That was gratifying. It was successful for both of us. It was, it was cost free. I didn't want to charge him mm-hmm. because Jim's a good friend. And right,
0: right. No, and that's good. It's, <laughs> it's good to have those at this point, I'll just call lifelong friends that you just yes. kind of help out With
1: friends, right? Yeah. So I don't know. We've talked about doing some collaborative tastings. If we did a collaborative project, that'd be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I can think of a too, that I would, I don't know what that would look like. Right. Right. Um, they're a public company. I'm a small private company, but well, yeah, but outside like box. Yeah. It's yeah. not that difficult.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think it's possible to see.
1: We'll send this podcast to Jim and see what he says.
0: I will be sure to tag him and see what, what we can do.
1: Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy, though. Right. It's like, I really swore that I'm, you know, I'm going to slow down and try to keep this simple. And um, sometimes things become more complicated before. You can simplify. I mean, launching a new brand is a whole hell of a lot of work. Um, but, you know, I don't want to take on too many things, but if it's the right project, I do, I do some custom winemaking for a couple high-end labels. Um, that's fun. So we'll see. Yeah. No,
0: I have to, I have to stay in the know if yeah, it happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'll be good.
1: All right. So we're moving on to Arlen? Yeah. So okay. then we have Arlen, so 2020, and uh, they all are. As I said, Arlen is uh, right across from Adelsheim on Calkins Lane, sedimentary soil, uh, clone 4407, which is, we think, the true DRC Domaine de la Roma, clone that was earlier brought in, apparently as it wasn't clone. It was what we call A2A Pinot you know, block, which grows straight up. But um, there's very, very little of this plant in Oregon. And um, Sterling Fox then uh, planted this, um, you know, works for Quailhurst and at the time uh, for Janice Pate, And he planted 4407, one acre. So I was the first winemaker, to the best of my knowledge, to work with 4407 commercially. And there's not a lot of it planted, Uh, really tiny, you know, Pinot Noir means a little like, you know, black pine cone, right? Right. In French, and they are little pine cones. It's, it's really concentrated wines, different than any of the other clones. So, single vineyard, single clone.
0: Yeah. No, nice. Yeah. I, I am a this fan. This is the
1: one that's gotten 295 point scores from questionable vintage.
0: You, you know, I.
1: Close to the fire.
0: Yeah. Very, very close to the fire. And I've, you know, I've been a fan of Janice and Arlen since uh, early 2020. And, you know, just what she's doing out there and what she's doing with the farm is absolutely, you know, spectacular.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's having a lot of fun out there. Yeah. That kind of reminds me that I contacted you knowing that you do the podcast. Right. And part of the reason I did that is, you know, I wanted to be part of it, whatever, whatever we did, you know, potatoes, tasted rosé or gria. Right. But uh, 2020 was on my mind. I had suggested to you. Right. And why did I do that? Because, um. Uh, I wanted to share my story of what we did. Yeah. I mean, I need to sell wine, but, um, also for the purpose of giving back to the industry. Um, not that anybody asked me to do that, but I mean, it's the industry has been really good to me and I, I love to share information. And I remember when I was young looking over somebody's <laughs> shoulders and, you know, or as an assistant winemaker, you're always, why is he doing that? Or I would do it differently. And, um, just having had a lot of experience with trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ears, as we all have as winemakers, it's like, right. you know, lots of botrytis or a lot of sunburn or, uh, God, 2013 with fruit flies and larvae in the tanks and, you know, you name it, I've seen it. Well, I have no 2010, doubt. 2010, we didn't start picking grapes until October 18th. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, so I could kind have of thought, you know, I'd share my story. And if people are interested, that's great if if it helps benefit the industry. Um, I've had other winemakers here and really famous person from Sonoma that tasted these wines. He said, You gotta be kidding me. These are this is 2020. I said, Yeah. They deal with smoke all the time down there. So happy to share the story about what we did because we're gonna see we're gonna see this again. Blonde oak chips, guys. It works. Yeah, and uh, you no know, reverse osmosis, no carbon, no this, no that, no pixie dust. It just right. works.
0: Yeah, it, it does work. And uh, Travis Todd, you know, he worked at yeah. you know Wine by Joe, yeah. and he has his he has his own label called De La Boo. Yeah. And you know, when I talked to him, he's like, "Oh yeah, I got so much information from Joe mm-hmm. on the 2020 and how to like right. how to you know actually work with you know my own wine for 2020." So I mean, you're you're teaching so many people and providing (laughs) so much valuable information.
1: All um, what the rising tide lifts all boats, right? Of course. Um. So another thing that you know on 2020 is like, okay, do you go for it or you spend uh in in forest fire kind of vintage like that, quick and dirty on the skins and get it off the skins? I went for it. I mean, heat of fermentation uh, didn't shorten the fermentation. Didn't Use any whole clusters I remember uh, with the stems in there, which is atypical for me but um i if there is any uh, this is an interesting story any any of the you uh, know the, the, the chemicals that are indicative of smoke taint in here um I also haven't even done a measure right I haven't sent it to the lab and the reason for that is, is really interesting I think alex Soblosser did a great service to the industry he took some 2017 Pinot Noir that was made Blossom Ridge right at the end of the driveway here. That's someone my, my neighbor might my, my, make some wine for. And he did uh, the analysis and found all the smoke taint, uh, you know, precursors and chemicals, uh, compounds that are indicative of smoke in a 2017 wine that never saw a forest fire. Well, hello, right. where did that come from? think it came from the toasted French barrels? Of course, that's where it came from. Right. And compared it to 2020, and they were fairly similar as far as, you know, the compounds. And so it's like, okay, where am I going with this? It's, you're you're better off just to, you know, use more new oak, and you get some smokiness from new oak, you know, depending upon the, the toast level. Correct. But I, in my opinion, it would be a mistake to try to lighten the load on the wine, in other words try To make something that's a little more simple and less time mm-hmm. on the skins than what we had success with, which is what did you have every year anyway? Right, in fact, you know, um, the, the blonde oak chips, uh, I had used them at Y by Joe year in and year out for machine picked fruit, as I shared with you, but you know, um, I now use it every single vintage. Interesting, 2020, 20, 20, right. We have one fermenter right now that's still, you know, Eola Springs down the hill here is going to get pressed out a couple of days from now. It's got oak chips and ferment on them because it does such a great job. And, uh, and we sort, uh, we had one vineyard that had a fair amount of sunburned berries. They don't taste good, right? Yeah, right? The oak chips do a great job to mitigate that. But also if you've been, you know, you you get the the chafe the from the flowers that are stuck inside the the clusters after they bloom. And if you look in the bucket, you'll see all kinds of you know, dried up flowers. Well, that all ends up in the fermenter. There's no way in hell you're going to sort that out. No, there's no way. So the oak chips help mitigate. It also helps fix color. Um, and then there's always some little tiny green shot berries that are in there. And I believe that it, you know, mitigates whatever comes from those little green berries too.
0: Yeah, I, I can imagine. You know, so then at that point, I mean, what is your? And it's going to have to be an educated guess mm-hmm. because we, you know, it's it's difficult hundred percent no, but how do you think that these will, these will age over time? How they can age?
1: Yeah. Um, I guess time will tell. Right. You know, one way to do that is keep the bottles open and just give them some air. Right. And, you know, predispose them to aging artificially. Um, so far they don't, they are chilled like a barbecue one.
0: That's great. Or smoke. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that, that's, it's, it's always an interesting question because, you know, those yeah. that did make Pinot, they're like, drink them now. Because we just don't know.
1: That's whatever, yeah, and I have seen a few. It's like, oh, you open it up. Even the course over a couple hours, it's like, oh, yeah. It's starting to show up right? a little bit. Um, again, everybody's hyper-focused on 2020s. Of course. It'd be fun to, you know, bury these in some nights or right. whatever. And just like, see if somebody goes, that's a trend.
0: I don't, from what I'm tasting here so far, there's, I don't think anybody would be able to say, oh, that's 2020.
1: Yeah, thanks. And, um, you know, I've tasted other 2020 Pinots that. I would say the same. Right, you know, you, you would know it's twenty twenty. No, you would yeah. not. Power suggestion. That's <laughs> a good read. You know, a review that's truly done blind is, is a good review. Yeah, yeah, right? I agree. You may not yeah. always like what the reviewer came up with, but it's a way to keep them honest.
0: That that it is. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to the next? We shall. Okay.
1: Uh, the next one is uh, Simonette. Owned by Tom Simonat. So, this is the one that I first worked with, uh, which was my first shared vintage with Ken Wright at Eola, the, the only shared vintage with Ken Wright at Eola Hills Wine Cellars. So, I'd come back from Burgundy from the 88 vintage. Summer 89, I came back. Eola Hills hired me as their wine, shared the vintage with Ken, and then he left, um, and I did the 90 vintage. And mm-hmm. uh, Simonat is it's an amazing vineyard. It's on what I call the first bench. So, or what I call the Yola Bench, you got the valley floor that right down here is uh, I don't know two hundred twenty-five, two hundred fifty feet, and Seminole is around three fifty, and then it kind of comes up the hill, then a, the bottom of our vineyard is four hundred fifty feet, and then six fifty, and north to south here there's a number of there's six of us I guess Great. right at the end of my driveway, and then going south and some damn good vineyards, yeah, um, some that aren't known yet that will will be known, but um, Sojourner Yola Springs, uh, Schindler is the furthest north. And I call this kind of mid mid part of the hill the Eola Bench. And I know you're familiar with Burgundy. The Grand are generally in the center of the hill. And why is that? It's a little bit warmer because the, the valley floor cools off first, cool air, condenses, you know, like water, right? Uh, it's, it's more dense. It hugs the ground. It uh, cools off first and warms up later. If you're too high on the hill, it cools off sooner. And the center of the hill ends up being the warmer. There are a few exceptions to that like Claude de Vougeau was down on the flats and you would look at that and say, Well that's a Pillage Pillage wine. No, it's not. It's like, well, it's a damn good one. But there's right. always exceptions to the rule. Always, yeah. Yeah. Um so Simonat, uh I digress. Uh we think it was planted around is between 1882. and eighty two. So uh Winquis and Seely came up from California and planted uh, on Bethel Heights witness tree. Um at the time was uh Gerda, I think, now a witness tree. And then uh-huh. uh, O'Connor Vineyards and several others. They did these big wide plantings, too, 12 feet wide. Wow. You should drive a back <laughs> truck down it. Uh, but anyway, so it was planted around that time. And then uh, Corky Isselhart bought it from the Tupper family. I worked with those grapes during that period. Then Tom Simonat bought it and, uh, quite a number of years ago. And we did a uh, single vineyard, I think 2006, first one from Simonat Vineyard. Right. It used to be called Noise for he got uh, a seasoned dish by somebody, so it's just calls it Seminette. But it, it's a magical vineyard. In 2010, as I said, we didn't start picking it until October 16th or 18th. And we did over 3,000 tons. Wow. Custom wine making, Wine by Joe, and then yeah. um, Stubbs so is a lot smaller than people think. But um, the ripest grapes we got was 21 and a half bricks. And that was like a couple of. Wow. Couple of, wow. And. Um, Seminac came in at 24 bricks. I look, I, you got to be kidding me. I mean, it looked like it was grown in that or something. I don't know. And, and wow. an amazing wine. Uh, ages really well. But there's something really special about the vineyard. here. Lamar It was planted mm-hmm. back in the early 80s. And there's a few other clones in there now. Right now I'm working with, you know, Pinot Noir that was planted in the early 80s. That's nice. Vidsville and Pilar.
0: Ugh, I love that combination. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: by the way, I have a, a surprise wine for you too. Don't let oh, me forget. Okay. They're a surprise product.
0: Okay. That sounds great.
1: So that's some of that. And then we've got your bench.
0: Yeah. Let just, I'll try that one real quick. I, I will say as we're progressing, I'm enjoying these more and more and more.
1: Oh, good. They're opening up? Yes. That's always a good thing. Hopefully they're going in the right direction.
0: I, I, I thoroughly, yes, I, I would agree. Uh, and as I'm kind of uh, swirling this around, so your daughter Amelia,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, she has grown up with wine. And, you know, I think she's been quoted to say, you know, yeah, in college, you know, she kind of skipped that whole cheap wine phase and wine in a, a brown bag and just, you know, had the Riedel with Oregon Pinot in it. She went right to the single readers. Exactly. Um, what kind of legacy are you trying to to leave for Amelia?
1: Um I love working with my daughter. I mean, she's doing a a great job at Flaneur. She was the assistant marketing director at Dobbs for a number of years. And Flaneur recruited her, and she said, okay. I said, hey, make your decision. And she's knocking out of the ballpark there uh, as the marketing director. And she works part-time for us, uh, you know, all the uh, social media, et cetera. Right, right. We wouldn't, the company, we've grown the wine club precipitously, and things are starting to catch some steam. And she's been really important beyond the project.
0: Do you You think that she'll make any wine?
1: She's actually making a barrel right now.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: It's been brushed out. It's a blend of the one, one, four and one, one, five from our estate. So you got the red fruit and the blue fruit. Oh, Uh, I don't know. 10 gallons last year from one, one, four. And this year she's making a whole barrel.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you, you, I don't know. I mean, I have a 15 year old daughter. I would be proud as all get out. I mean, yeah. I'm sure you're proud as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I am. She's got her daddy's edge. I'm really proud. Um, yeah. Legacy, uh, where she's grown up in the business and this is what she does. So it would, uh, who knows what the future is going to hold. Right. I would love to see her get more and more involved over time, but she's yeah. really loving what she's doing right now with and They treat her really well. And she's running the show, you know. But that's great. That's great. So the black label, holy cow! Thank there, you. There,
0: there's no way you if you're just to pour that for somebody, there, there's no way in heck that they would think that's that's a 2020.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know it's still young. It's still coming out. And all these wines, you know, they're 18 months, 16, 18 months in barrel and then bottled. Um, really pleased with the way it's progressing. Yeah. But again, this is kind of I I don't know if it'll ever happen. It's going to be a lot of work, but I would love to see a sub sub AVA eola bench within the eola amity hill i don't know if uh, something like that would ever happen but uh nonetheless uh it's on the label and right you know starting in 2020 we did you know, got 2021 in the bottle 2022 in the the cellar yet that's gonna get blended and bottled and spray oh so
0: yeah that would be pretty spectacular
1: you want to try my little mystery uh yeah that
0: yeah, would be I great get up
1: and grab it from the, the fridge, fridge. Oh, Okay.
0: yeah no i that would be great it's, it's definitely a mystery wine with uh that, you Isn't know, that a cool bottle? That is a very yeah. cool bottle.
1: It's a sample. I got a couple cases of these that were sent to me for Dundee Mobile bottlers, modeling company. They won.
0: Yeah. So I, I'm bottom. I'm looking at it, it looks super thick. I'm almost thinking this might be the base wine for sparkling. <laughs> That's my guess right now.
1: Let's see what you think. Oh wow. What's it smell like?
0: It, it, it doesn't taste, I mean, it doesn't smell like this, but my first, like, boom! Yeah. it was like, oh, orange juice. <laughs> and, I, and I know it's not orange juice, but I mean, that was like... there
1: was no alcohol oh. on here. So this is juice. Okay. Okay. But it's something, I think something that's going to be really special. Um, I get a whole bunch of, uh, like, apricot, peaches, honey.
0: I can definitely, I, I definitely do get the apricot. And, you know, and, and when I said orange juice, it was just that initial, like, I this mean, is right this is like this is fruity this is
1: yeah. and this is just juice okay so this is um 2023 20, late harvest sauvignon blanc for mm. the ferment uh, like i saw turn which i've done once before in 1990 so this is oh my gosh 34 breaths wow it had oh. arthritis it's we've got a brand new sorry. S-A-U-R-Y um, French Oak Barrel, uh, and I've got 74 gallons of this. So 60 of it will go into the barrel. The rest will be, you know, in a keg, and then for topping wine. Wow. I'll bottle it in 375. So this is be something to be wine club exclusive. Full circle society and this is part of the passion project. I did it once before, um, turned out beautifully. So, you know, more experience and, uh, how many years, 38 vintages or something like that later, here we are. You
0: get to have some fun. Yeah, That's delicious.
1: I don't know if I would have done this, but I can't remember for the life of me who it was. It was either a customer or a friend of mine said, you know, you should do like a sauterne Yeah, it's a lot of work, you know? And yeah. Right. So it's an old friend
0: yeah no, that's oh,
1: underwood. I yeah so me on block right across from the right across from the wine's three minute
0: drive that's that is great even. so I have some rapid fire questions for you mm-hmm. And then after that, we'll reveal the blind wine and I'll get you out of here. Oh okay. um, so favorite artist to listen to during harvest.
1: Oh boy, um my favorite band is simply red, okay. They are on their fortieth anniversary tour across Europe right now. oh he's English, oh. and when I was in Germany. Actually, I was in Austria at the time, but living in Germany, a good buddy of mine, Brian Van Meter, came over, and we um, we lived the high life for a couple of weeks in Kitzbühel, Austria. It's kind of the Las Vegas of Austria. Right. Skiing, partying like animals. We'd get up, eat a huge breakfast, go skiing, go to the Londoner pub, tie a few on, and then go dancing half the night, and then do it again. And um, that was when I was younger, and I was in this nightclub, and uh, Nick from. Simply Red was playing and strobes were going. I was like, I love this guy. And yeah. I listened to his musical. Um, generally, I, I've got um, Joey C. He is my uh, assistant, during Harvest. He does an amazing job. He um, worked with me when we were making our wines at Bryn Mawr for several years. Mm-hmm. And he was their employee. And he can do the the work of two people. He's amazing. We, we don't need even to talk much. It just happens. Right. The perfect. That's great. Uh, really. Uh, he likes... Kind of hard rock music. So it's like, okay, I let my employees play what they want. Right. 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 So I'm like, oh God, can we change this? Yeah. Not a hard rock guy. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I
0: can understand. I can understand.
1: I'm not a strictly Frank Sinatra either, but, you know, I do enjoy right. it. So does yeah. Joey. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, Simply Red. Very nice. If you haven't listened to them, guys, me. May...
0: Yeah. No, I yeah. very much remember Simply Red. Yeah. Uh, your favorite indulgent food?
1: A really good pizza. Okay. Yeah, I, did. I can pack it away. Anyone will tell you that. Um, favorite food is probably French cuisine, though, with sauce. I'm kind of a food snob. No, that I, does. When I, I laugh about when I was a Burgundy worked in the North, Christophe Rumier and Dominique Lafon uh, lived with Christophe about nine months. And I joked that the little bit of money that I made went towards toothpaste and Michelin restaurants. Um, and so I can name you know, the who's who of Burgundy. They were buddies of Christophe's. Right. And I was just a hanger on and I was, was a big part of my education. I was just a big sponge. And we'd, anyway, we'd go out to Michelin restaurants and everybody would bring tastings in our cellar. So wow. Anyway,
0: uh, harvest notes, are they digital or handwritten?
1: Handwritten and very few of them
0: because you got it all up here, up here right?
1: I, uh, I sold some, a little bit of fruit to, um, really the mm-hmm. guy that's getting into the business from my estate. And, uh, I told him when he was at the winery the other day, um, I said, you'd be surprised how much little chemistry actually, right. um, I, I, I honestly, I don't take bricks on a daily basis during fermentation, stick my nose in it, stick my hand in it. I taste it. Looks good. Nice.
0: There you go. Well, you
1: know, I mean, oh, smells great. You know, write it down. Right, right, right. Why? I, I put the attention where it needs to go and I do measure bricks early on. I do buy some pieces course after four or five days, you know, harvest numbers. Right. So you use the similar nitrogen and just send it to, you know, one of the labs, ETS or CORE. They do a great job. Um, we're lucky to have them. They do a great job in the industry. And um, you know, post pressing, of course, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, do I need to make any acid ads and things like that? But I, I don't do, I don't take a lot of notes. That's right. I do have a notebook. I've got about three pages from the vintage. And the notes would be, you know, maybe acid trials or something that's just kind of outside of the daily norm. Right. Like, why did I do this? Or what, what was I thinking? Why did I do this? Right. Where do I want to go?
0: Okay. Yeah. No, that, that, that's good. Um, if you could choose a superpower, what would it be?
1: Flying. Okay. Yeah. I've had many dreams of just flying. That would be, that would be, yeah, that would be that amazing. Be awesome. My dream, I guess is a superpower is to go back into history. Like here we are at this beautiful 21 acre estate where I live. What was this like a hundred years ago? Wouldn't that be cool?
0: That would be so cool. I
1: would love to do that.
0: Yeah. Just observe and yeah. not like mess with anything in the past. Yes. Just observe. What did
1: this look like? Who was here? I would love to go back to, you know, well, the native Americans were inhabiting Oregon. What was right. it like? and clark days etc that, that would be really awesome
0: yes the last book you read i mean it could be physical it could be audible or it could even be even be like a podcast or I something
1: i read technical stuff um i'd be kind of my youtube jump junkie yeah. honestly i mean it can just you get a lost for hours um how to do this or that you know i grew up hunting and fishing so i enjoy a lot of that stuff and uh animal p- visit richard Patton, helped me out here yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway Nice. I just watched it the other day. It's a series um, on the animals of the world and the planet Nova, things like right. that. Yeah, and yeah. Into the last book, I don't even remember what I read.
0: It's okay. Yeah, I was just yeah. But this <laughs> did this did bring up a, a random question for you. You know, you grew up bass fishing, and you know, do you know who Bill Dance is? I, I don't. Okay, that, that's I okay. Right. So he um, TV show uh, pro bass fisherman out of Tennessee.
1: Oh, okay. All right. And
0: I was just curious if you knew him because 10 oh. years ago, I actually, you know, developed his iPhone app for him and got to work with him and whatnot. Oh, right. So,
1: yeah, so I was just curious. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't hunt or fish much anymore. I mean, we had a, we had a boat that we used to do a lot of ocean fishing, tuna, halibut, salmon. Right. Epic. Oh, I can imagine. With my family and friends and, uh. This business kind of got in the way of the it.
0: It, it it does happen.
1: Patricia convinced me to sell it. So I have friends with boats.
0: That's the best <laughs> kind of friends. Shall I reveal the the wine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nokes. So again, I tried to find something that had a connection to you. Yeah. Right. So and we were talking about 2020s today. And so this is a 2020 Arlen Pinot Noir. No kidding. No kidding. And this was picked before the fires.
1: Before the fire?
0: Before the fires.
1: Wow. Yeah. Uh, that was made by Tolman at uh, Lingua Franca. Correct.
0: Correct. Yeah. You know, so I knew. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I knew that you had an Arlen and I loved how you went so deep into Arlen during the, the conversation here. And I was like, yes, "Yes, I made a connection.
1: Yeah. It was, uh, it's more red fruited. Um, ours is a little more blue fruited and I take it's, uh, I don't know the clothes, it's not 4407, but I don't know. It was. Picked before the fires, it was picked earlier. Right, with it'd you know, be a little more red fruited. Hence my connection to fifteen. Right, yeah. and the wine's fresh. It just Doesn't show any age. Right, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. That's that was fun. Yeah, no, it that be, yeah yeah.
0: Well, let's see, we'll see. Um, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today to, yeah, to do pleasure. this. This this was an absolute blast. Thank you. Yes, and
1: yeah. when this is fermented, I'll make sure you get some um, Oregon turned
0: Yeah, no, that would be great. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this flavorful voyage through the world of wine on the Wine Notes podcast. I've been your host and guide, AJ Weinzel, and it's been an absolute pleasure sharing these captivating stories with you. But alas, like the last sip of a fine vintage, our time together must, but don't fret, my wine-loving friends. The cellar doors of the Wine Notes podcast will always remain open, waiting for you to return and explore new conversations, stories, and musings from the captivating people behind the magical world of wine. Before you go, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And don't forget to leave a spark, five-star review to help spread the word. And to our glasses, clink again. Remember to savor light's moments and let the spirit of wine cheers. And as always, may your wine glass be full, your heart be light, and your journey be delight.